Welcome to another audio version of Burnt Toast. This is a newsletter where we explore questions and some answers about fat phobia, diet culture, parenting, and health. I'm Virginia Soul Smith. I'm a journalist who covers weight stigma and diet culture, and I'm the author of The Eating Instinct and the forthcoming Fat Kid Phobia. And today I am chatting with Daisy Gillespie, a personal stylist and creator of Mindful Closet. We were just talking about how to pronounce your name, and I got totally nervous as I said it that I... <laughs> was going to do it wrong, but I think I did it okay. Um, So if you follow me on Instagram, you might have noticed lately I have been posting a little more fashion content than I used to. This is kind of new for me. Um, And if you think anything I've been wearing is cute, it is because of Daisy. Uh, She is really brilliant at fashion, um, but she is even more brilliant at helping us sort through and release the patriarchal rules that we have felt like we had to follow about getting dressed. And she does it all from a weight-inclusive, health-at-every-size perspective. So she is really a kind of amazing unicorn in the fashion universe, and I am so glad to have her here. Daisy, welcome. Thank you, Virginia. That was some really kind words. Thank you. (laughs) Um, All extremely true. So for folks who don't know you, let's start by having you give us a little of your story. You are a classical musician turned stylist, which is very interesting. And you are also very much not what people think of when they think of stylist. So I would love to hear, you know, how a little more of how you got into this work. Sure. Well, first of all, um, I really appreciate that you say that I'm not what you would think of, because that for me is just like a good connotation with that connects with what I feel like I'm doing. So I always appreciate oh, good. that. Um, I wasn't sure if that a, would be like in a weird offensive. way. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I really, I, I truly feel that way myself. And so it's nice to like kind of be recognized that way. Um, yeah, I'll try and give the short version of the story. Um, and I know we're going to talk later about kind of a lot of messages that people get around mm-hmm. clothing and um, fashion. And it's interesting that my story kind of started with one of those messages that I got from my parents, which was, if you care or think about clothes or fashion, you're superficial and silly and not a serious, caring person. Ooh, <laughs> yeah. Yes. And so, so, and I know, yeah, I know a lot of people can and can relate to that. Um, It was something I always, always loved. And if it weren't for that message, I probably would have gone into something in the fashion field much earlier on. Mm. But I went into classical music, which was an approved field of study. And, um, and it was, it was an interesting career for a while, but ultimately a really high stress one. Um, And so when I decided to change careers in my mid thirties, um, style and fashion was kind of what I went back to and um, did some research around the fields within the industry um, and kind of realized that something I'd been kind of informally doing for people my whole life actually was kind of a job. Mm. Um, and, that, and that was personal styling. So I kind of was always that person that um, would help, would come over and help you clean out your closet or help you decide what you were going to wear to something. And um, but again, it would never felt validated as something I could actually do, partially because of that message from my parents, also partially because I never felt cool enough to mm. be like in fashion. Right, right, right. Um, yeah, so so that's, uh, yeah, and then thanks to a really supportive husband and a lot of privilege, um, I started this business about nine years ago. That's amazing. I think a lot of people can relate to that. I mean, I went into fashion magazines, but like worked in the health department. So I was like, I'm not cool enough for the fashion people, um, which sort of was literally true. Also, <laughs> like, it's like both true and not true. You know, like mm-hmm. the industry is very insular in that way and kind of puts up barriers to people, but also like 
this is ridiculous that these barriers exist and that we internalize them. So yeah, I love that. Um, so yeah, so I just finished, or we're, I think we have one more session. Uh, we've been working together in your one-on-one coaching program, which I will of course link to so people can check it out. It's, um, because it's really like low key life changing. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. It's been really amazing. And, you know, the thing that really struck me right off the bat is that it's a lot more like therapy than I expected in a good way. Um, you know, I think I was like, Oh, I want to work with Daisy because I need to figure out what styles work on my body. And, you know, like I want getting dressed to be less stressful and she'll just tell me what to wear and that'll be so great. <laughs> um, and instead you were like, what messages have you absorbed about your body and let's like unpack this and where did this come from? And, you know, and I started realizing I had all these ideas that I hadn't even really realized I had, you know, like I should only wear flowy tops or I should only wear dark colors or black and, you know, where, you know, you help me sort of sort through that and figure out where it comes from. So I'm curious to hear, you know, why do you think it's so important to start with those stories that we tell ourselves about clothes? Well, I think, I mean, awareness is always the first step in, in a lot of growth, right? And change. And, um, I think just like you, you just said kind of in, in the process that we went through together, you have to be aware of those stories that you've been told before you can let them go, before you can like hold them and look at them and say, is this true for me? Mm-hmm. Or is this just someone else's idea of what I should be doing? Um, and I think, just, I mean, honestly, just as women, like we're so used to kind of taking in others' opinions and perhaps changing our actions around that and just being able to, to me, I see this whole thing as like an entry point into like getting in touch with what your true needs are. Mm. Um, and fashion is just kind of, this is a way to practice. It's like, and, and I, you know, you know, you, you talk so much about intuitive eating and, and health at every size and, I, there's so many similarities and parallels, I think, in this work, because again, those things are about listening to your body and yourself and what it needs, um, as opposed to, I always compare it as, is it external influence or is it, you know, an internal motivation? Yes. Um, and yes. so when, as you said, like we, I always start the whole first session when I work with someone is just, I call it style stories, but it's like, yeah, what's your relationship with clothes been over the course of your life? Who, dressed you who took took you to buy clothes who in that sense influenced what you thought you should be wearing who gave you messages you know and it can be anyone from our mothers to fashion magazines and you know of course today social media um but yeah I just think it's so important to acknowledge those and then you get to decide whether you want to accept that that restriction Mm -hmm. or that message um, or let it go Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah, I feel like we talked a lot about middle school with me and like, mm-hmm. like cool girls and not, you yeah. know, and like wanting, because mm-hmm. I moved schools around that time. And like, did I have the right thing to wear and sort of realizing like, here I am as a 40 year old adult still worrying about, mm-hmm. you know, having the right thing. Um, And that was really interesting. And yeah, one of the sort of big takeaways I had pretty quickly was like how much I was someone who had gotten a lot of joy out of clothes as a kid and even as a teenager and even as a young adult sometimes. Um, and that that joy had been really sucked out of fashion for me. And a lot of that was bodies changing. You know, I grew up as a thin kid. I'm a small fat adult. That was a big transition in terms of feeling like, okay, well, clothes just aren't accessible to me in the same way. Um, but also it was some of that, yeah, wanting to fit in and play it safe and like wear black all the time. 
Um, and then when we started, you know, we started sort of digging deeper into it and you were like, well, show me what you love. Show me people you love whose fashion you love. And I was like, here are people like Emma Straub and um, Nora, 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 who I will link to their Instagrams, who are, you know, wearing tons of color and mixed prints and bright patterns. And they're just like walking rays of sunshine <laughs> in their fashion lives. And, you know, it was so interesting to realize like, oh, that's actually what I'm really drawn to in, in a certain way. Um, and we realized like, well, this is really a fear of taking up space. This is really a fear of, you know, being noticed. Um and so, you know, I'm curious to hear, do you think this is sort of a common fear you encounter? And especially for folks in bigger bodies, does this kind of fear of being noticeable come up a lot? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think, um, again, that's the message, especially if someone, you know, has kind of lived in a larger body for most of their life. Um, they always had, and I, you know, this is what I hear from people that I talk to, those experiences of clothing growing up they just always felt excluded that that clothing and fashion was not something that they could participate mm-hmm. in. And that, you know, comes down to literally like when I went to the store with my mom and my sister, my sister could buy the clothes in this, in this store and I couldn't, you know, and, and yeah. so having this experience of feeling excluded and then also getting messages that if you were not in a socially acceptable body, you should, you know, you should hide yourself. You don't, mm-hmm. you don't deserve to be noticed. Um, mm-hmm. Something is shameful about your body and it, and it should be, it should be hidden and it should be, you should be just grateful if you can find anything that fits yes. your body. Yes. Um, and I'm, or, you know, I'm, I'm grateful and thankful that there are, of course we have a long ways to go, but there are steps being made, you know, thankfully in lots of communities so that there are options, you know, if you love and enjoy fashion, um, that you don't have to wear shapeless black sacks. Mm-hmm. I, I, however, am someone who loves shapeless black sacks. So that's like a whole nother story, you know, is it's like, it's do you. Um, right. Not here but, to shame anyone's shapeless black sack. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. I'm a, a huge fan of them. But, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think, I think style was always something that, um, you know, people were just, just felt excluded from. And, and that sense of belonging and fitting in is so hard um, when your body already is different. Mm-hmm. the kids around you mm-hmm. um it feels like that's one strike against you and then not being able to opt into the whatever the it shoe is or the it jeans mm-hmm. you know is just a further kind of exclusion so um yeah I do hear that a lot and something I was thinking about you too Virginia is that like and I think this is common for a lot of mothers as well is you know in this period of time <clears throat> when you maybe lost your your spark of joy a little bit you know you had a really you you became a parent and had a somewhat traumatic experience mm-hmm. doing that. And I think people kind of just get to the point where like, you know, I just have to get through the day and I have to get by. Yes. And that's not something that I have the luxury to think about. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, you're somewhat through that and able to kind of like feel more of the things that bring you pleasure. And, and I think it was really, it was, um, it was lovely to be able to help you connect to that. Yeah, that's so interesting. You know, it's true when, um, when we were going through our more traumatic years with my daughter's medical condition, I did a lot of stress shopping during that mm. time. Like I would like sort of seek it as an outlet. Like I remember sitting like pumping attached to the breast pump in the ICU, <laughs> like buying boots on my phone, like mm. sort of in a kind of compulsive way of like, I just need something good here. I just need something fun and pleasurable. And I have, do not have that in this traumatic circumstance. Um, but because there was also, you know, like 
there were things that I bought during that time that I did love and that brought me joy and comfort. And I'm never one to shame anyone's coping strategies, whatever they are, but it wasn't like super satisfying shopping because it was often, you know, the way shopping is set up for us, it's really hard to navigate. And so it's kind of hard to do in like a spontaneous, joyful way because the, you know, just the way the whole, which we can talk more about, like the sort of whole structure of online shopping in particular is really difficult to navigate. So yeah. So kind of recognizing that I needed this joy and deserved this joy and like didn't have to do it in sort of a furtive, stressful way is, was really mm-hmm. helpful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Um, yeah. The other realization I had with you, you know, as we were doing this work was how much I had lowered my standards, which I think of myself as someone with high standards. So that was sort of interesting, you know, as shopping has gotten harder um, for so many reasons, you know, I would end up keeping stuff I didn't really like because maybe returns seemed like a hassle or, you know, I really loved it, but it didn't fit right. But I would sort of convince myself it was fine. You know, there was a lot of this, like, just accepting stuff that wasn't great. Um, and there was, you know, some inertia and just like fear that it'll be hard to find something better. Um, and yeah, I mean, I want to really kind of hold space for the fact that for folks on really tight budgets, for folks in larger bodies, like it often really does feel and is somewhat impossible to find better options. But, you know, let's talk a little bit of, because I think you mentioned that you've encountered that belief a lot too. And so, you know, why is this important to challenge and how do we challenge it? Yeah. I mean, I think it, 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 again, I think I, you know, use this phrase before, but but sometimes people who are in larger bodies or whose bodies change as, you know, maybe yours did and maybe mine is right now, you know, from being in a thinner body into a larger body, you know, we just have been given this message. message. I think it's a combination of so many things societally. It's, you know, um, that, that we don't matter, that we're not mm-hmm. worth mm-hmm. the effort, mm-hmm. you know, that if we can have something that that fits, we should just shut up and be thankful. Um, and so I think it's a real kind of expression of, of value almost to say like, no, I, you know, this is not quite right. Maybe this is what I need right now. Um, because Mm -hmm. again, not, there's not always a perfect solution, but also I know, um, that this isn't what expresses myself, you know, the most pure in the most pure way. And, and this isn't what makes me the most happy. And I, I can continue to look for that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, it's definitely, it's a, it's a hard thing, but I think, and again, I think it comes down to, um, as women and as mothers, you know, we, we just kind of, we would never, you know, for our kids say, well, make do with the, mm-hmm. the rain boots with the hole in them or, mm-hmm. you know, you, you, you just grew out of those, like, I'm not going to buy you new clothes. Like we would right, never right, right. do that, but for ourselves, we kind of let our needs fall to the bottom of the priority list. Sometimes that's not always true, of course, but, um, yeah. I think, I think it's pretty common. Depressingly common, I would say. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. yeah and so how do you advise people to kind of start to shift that? I mean, is it finding more time to spend on shopping? Is it, thinking differently about what you're buying? I mean, you know, what's the sort of starting point, I guess? Yeah. I mean, I think the starting point again is, is awareness and just kind of allowing yourself to feel what you feel about your clothes. Um, Mm -hmm. And when you get dressed in the morning, if you are putting on two or three things and taking them off because they, you don't want to wear them that day, like 
just just try and sit with and, and understand what is going on there. Is it because it doesn't fit well? Is it because it makes you feel squeezed? Is it because it's a, a you know, a very bright color that you feel uncomfortable in? Mm-hmm. Um, is it because it's black and you feel drab? You know, mm-hmm. um, it, again, it's going to be so different for every single person. Um, but starting to just kind of allow those things to come up again, because it's, you know, we're not supposed to complain about things. We should be grateful. We have mm. clothes and, and, um, but allowing yourself to just start to think like, okay, this is the reason why I don't want to wear this today. I'm going to put it on because maybe I don't have any other options, okay. but this is going to start a process of thinking what I want my clothes to be for mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think it's really like that part of it is that internal, um, kind of questioning. And then um, for me and for my clients, and we did this too, I mean, a huge part of it is finding visual inspiration, Yes, you know, and really not censoring yourself when you're doing that. Um, Because a lot of times people will create Pinterest boards or style boards or, you know, a mood board and, and they'll only put things on that they are like, you know, well, I really love that print, but again, the message comes in. I've been told that doesn't work for someone Mm -hmm. in a larger body, Mm -hmm. or I love that fitted shape, but God forbid someone sees my stomach, you know, Mm -hmm. like, and so if we can reach out for visual inspiration that just truly resonates on a gut level without that filtering that we, that we commonly do, um, you'll just start to see things a little bit differently and and see what you're wearing um, a little bit differently. I, I really think it just kind of comes down to this awareness of like, no, actually you can kind of reject what you've been told. You can choose, you can decide what it is that you like the look of. Mm-hmm. And then later on, you can figure out a way to translate it into your life. But just starting with that. Yeah, that process was really liberating for me in a way that I wasn't expecting. I was like, I don't know. I sort of went in being like, well, I know what clothes I like. And like, it was funny because I, if you'd asked me previous to this, like, well, what's your style? I think I said to you, I was like, I don't know, whatever the anthropology plus size style <laughs> like catalog is, that's probably what I want to wear. And it turns out it's actually not at all what I want to wear. Like we didn't end up buying anything from them. Like it's not, it's not a style that really speaks to me. Um, and yeah. And I realized how much I was just accepting, like, aren't we so lucky that anthropology makes plus sizes now you must want to wear this or, you know, like that was one of the things. And I'm just, that's just one example. There's lots of ways this plays mm-hmm. out. Um, and so doing this process of being like, oh, actually, uh, you know, this, these are the sort of visual things that I love. Um, and maybe I'll throw some pictures in the transcript of things that I pinned. If people are like, what are you talking about, Virginia? <laughs> what, <laughs> what do you like? <laughs> um, in case you guys are curious, I'll put that in there. Um, but yeah, that was really helpful. And then you, there was this process of sort of refining it, of realizing like, I love when, Emma Straub wears a giant multicolored muumu. I don't actually want to wear a muumu, but I want like something with that feel, like the little, mm-hmm. like I like more smaller pops of color, but that still feels very bold to me as someone who came from like black t-shirt land. Um, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That- yeah. That was so interesting too, is like, and I think that's the other thing too, is like, well, it's all always a process, right? But like, you're starting with that visual inspiration. And then at some point, you have to put it into practice and see how it feels. Mm -hmm. And again, I think it's almost like there's this, a little bit of a swing to the extreme sometimes. And I think maybe you did this a little bit where it was like, okay, we have a great body positive community and there are more options for us out there. So I need to wear all the prints and all Mm -hmm. the colors Mm -hmm. because now it's available and it's never been available before. 
Um, and yet you still have to do what feels good for you. And I right. think you had experienced that some of that made you feel uncomfortable. And in, in turn, those things didn't get worn and right. therefore weren't really useful for you. Right, right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. We also did a much bigger closet purge than I was expecting. Um, and that was really cathartic and exciting to realize how much stuff I had hanging there that I wasn't wearing. Um, yeah. So that was another piece of it. What other, or what are some other common beliefs that come up with clients, especially folks in bigger bodies that you kind of help them break through? Um, honestly, I think we've hit on most of them already. Just this idea that, um, that style is not for you, Mm -hmm. um, that, that you should be attempting to hide yourself, that, Mm -hmm. that you can't, as you said, take up space, that you can't just be the physical person that you are that you should strive for some sort of optical illusion that it makes you appear smaller than you are, which we Mm -hmm. call flattering. Um, And that that should be the priority above all else. Um, And so for me, again, I really like to start by reversing that and saying, but what do you like, Mm -hmm. you know, without considering what is kind of societally appropriate you know, or, you know, conventionally appropriate for your body. Like let's start with what you actually like the look of, and then let's prioritize that Mm -hmm. because, because that way, I don't know, you get some, you get some say in it, you get some control. Otherwise you're just literally doing like, well, so-and-so whoever this random person is, you know, Tim Gunn or Elle magazine or whatever, you know, (laughs) it's like, oh, but you have to wear fitted waists and full skirts and, you know, what if you just don't like how that looks? Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Doing it all for the sake of appearing as small as possible. And so if yes. we can let that concept go of everything. Um, and again, I think people in larger bodies have been just, you know, pressured to do this as much as they possibly can, because God forbid you show up and mm-hmm. you're full, you know, size, that, that would be so offensive. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so let's, let's, let's use all the tricks in the book that we can come up with to try and make you appear smaller than you actually are. It's so exhausting. And the tricks yeah. don't work either. Like people no. can still see your body. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing that I always, yeah. That's the thing I always say. I'm like, you, you know, you're a three-dimensional object. You're yes. showing up in the world and nobody's fooled, you know, and just makes you feel uncomfortable. And right. like you're, right. you're trying so hard to achieve something that's impossible. Yeah. And it just triggers so much like comparing and mm-hmm. that's not helpful as opposed to like you're saying, kind of focusing on like, well, what makes you happy and like, what mm-hmm. makes you feel good in clothes and yeah. And I think too, you know, plus size folks, like we've been given such narrow options over the years. Like I remember reading an interview with Lindy West where thinking of your comment on the like black shapeless sack where she was mm-hmm. like, I would love if someone put me in that for a photo shoot, but they always put me in the like 1950s, you know, mm-hmm. hourglass silhouette, big red lip kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Cause that's like the way that fat girls are allowed to feel pretty is like, if you lean really into the retro vibes and like, what if you don't, I don't particularly love a retro vibe, you know, like what if you don't want to be Marilyn Monroe, um, your options feel really narrow or yeah. What if you don't love a puff sleeve at the moment, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, certain like silky flower prints that we get over and over. So yeah. Um, I think starting it is, it probably sounds, I'm, I'm just feeling for folks who are new to this conversation. It probably sounds like very hard to start with what you love. Um, but I think you're completely right that that's actually a very pivotal step to take. So, yeah. Um, I think yeah. That's- and I, I guess I want to say too, cause sometimes people, I mean, I know probably you and I, and probably a lot of people listening, you know, have 
have been challenging this concept of flattering in the past, but mm-hmm. for some people, they get very worried. Like, well, why would I wear something if it's not flattering? Because flattering makes me feel good or whatever. And I think those things are separate. And I think if, you know, it's, it, to me, it comes down a little bit to the meaning of the word mm-hmm. and like what you consider the word flattering to mean. In my, in my opinion, it's always meant again, to appear as small as possible. Yeah, yeah. If that's not what flattering means to you, if flattering means that just something makes you happy because you put it on and you light up great that's fine but Mm -hmm. you know again I think in that traditional sense of the word um it's something we can challenge for sure yeah I agree with that yeah and um yeah and I will definitely say like the clothes I ended up buying after working with you are in many cases silhouettes that I would have thought was not flattering on my body before when I was sort of locked into that and I would now say (laughs) actually are flattering if we redefine the word you know what I mean like I think I look better in these clothes because I'm comfortable and happy in them and you know um not trying to hide my body in the same way so and again that just to you know kind of hammer this point home it's because we started with what you liked the look of right yes it's because if we had stuck to those rules that you know someone would traditionally say about your body we wouldn't have gotten to those clothes yeah yeah definitely yeah yeah that's really interesting um So one thing that I was thinking about afterwards that I was like, oh, I feel like this might come up for other people and actually was not so much an issue for me, but I wanted to talk about is detaching from your clothing Mm. size. Like I truly do not care what the label says anymore. And, you know, when I look at what we bought and I was, cause I was posting on Instagram and I wanted to give people sizes. I was Mm. like, oh, we bought like 47 different sizes. (laughs) It's all over the map. It's a really wide range. And Mm -hmm. I think that's often a stumbling block for people is they're really Mm -hmm. caught up in their head about wanting to stay a certain size or buying the next size up feels like this really big step to take. And it's really scary. And that really holds people back. So can you just explain to someone who understands retail so well, like why are clothing sizes such bullshit and (laughs) what do we do with that? (laughs) Uh, I don't know if I have perfect answers for either of those questions, but, and I will also preface this by saying that, um, you know, I kind of mentioned in passing before that my body is changing. And I want to say that I acknowledge, and I feel that kind of a little bit of sadness when you realize like, okay, the sizes that I bought for years don't Mm -hmm. fit and I'm Mm -hmm. in a different size now. Um, So I want to acknowledge that, that that is definitely a thing, but I think the thing that you and I've talked about a little bit is that it is it, sizing is so meaningless. I mean, it's absolutely meaningless um, because one size in one store um, equals a size four sizes up in another store. And so how can you say you're one or the other? Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I always say to my clients and like, if I'm doing a, a, a program or something that like, you know, a hundred or 150 years ago, there was no, there was no size. There was no clothing right. sizes. Right. Clothes were, you know, they were made for your body. If you were wealthy, someone made them for you. If you were poor, you made them for yourself. Um, and so just this concept of needing our bodies to fit into certain clothes, certain styles is a new concept, you know, Mm -hmm. it's, it's new since industrialization. It's new, especially since kind of like globalization. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and just, just this, again, this, this construct that's been set up that, that ultimately makes a lot of people feel bad is just imagine Like it's so imaginary, you know, it's, I don't know. It's, it's, it's hard to even explain a little bit, but, um, yeah, I don't, what are your thoughts about that? Yeah, I think it is, 
you have to just start like viewing it as white noise in a way, mm-hmm. like, and just mm-hmm. as like, to me, the relief of finding a clothing item that fits well mm-hmm. is so powerful. Like that feels so good that I can stop caring what the number is. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, yeah. So like, that was a helpful sort of turning point for me. And yes, as I've like let go of, I mean, I think it is a mourning process. You're right. Like there's definitely, mm-hmm. you have to grieve for, you know, and it's frustrating too, because clothes are expensive to sort of realize that, you know, the entire closet you had before both my children, <laughs> you know, there was like a, okay, the pre-baby one outfits don't fit anymore. The pre-baby two outfits, you know, and like, that is mm-hmm. a process that's sort of infuriating, but I guess like, to me, the benefits of just like detaching from those numbers and just seeing them mm-hmm. as like, this is just this strange system that this store mm-hmm. is using to sort out its clothes, but it doesn't yes. have any reflection on me. Um, yeah. 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 And yeah. And God. No. Yeah. That's, that was really helpful. And then when you explained to me about like taking your measurements and studying the size charts and which is like a little more labor intensive. And, you know, I'm sure for some folks, measurements can also be triggering because like weight can be, tri- you know, anything with numbers in our body can be triggering. But if you can do measurements in a way that feels safe to you, like it's so much more reliable as a way to buy clothes to like look at the size mm-hmm. charts and match up your measurements. Um, mm-hmm. The way you explained that was really helpful. Yeah. And I was just going to say, I think like we also have to look at the alternative. Like the alternative is, you order something in a size you hope will fit and it comes and it doesn't fit and you feel bad about yourself and you feel frustrated and you give yeah. up yeah. and therefore you end up with, with no clothes that make you feel good about your body. And, right. and like just with all of the work that you're doing and you know, that a lot of people are doing, like, I honestly think like, you know, if you're not feeling comfortable in your body and your clothes on a daily basis, you're you know, you're, you're just a little restricted in your, in your Mm -hmm. thoughts and your movements. And, and so I think it's such a valuable thing to do to have clothes that fit that, um, while it's hard, I don't see an alternative because I don't think wearing clothes that don't fit is, is a good option for most people. (laughs) I mean, it's a lot like living on a diet. Like it just, like, even if you're living on one of those sort of less punitive diets and it's a lifestyle plan, like it's still sort of sapping your energy in this small way every day, because all this like mental energy is going towards, what you're eating or not eating. And similarly, like wasting mental energy on like jeans that feel uncomfortably too tight all the time is like such a life suck. Like why, why do that? hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, the sort of system you encourage people to do is like ordering multiple sizes, trying things on and returning. And this is something that I started doing years ago. Cause it just felt like the only way to shop, the only practical way to shop. Um, And I think it is, you know, and I think what you're saying, it's so true, but we should also talk about the like returns piece of things because yeah, this is a topic that's sort of complicated. Um, So yeah, I would love your thoughts on how we, how we navigate that part of (laughs) the business. (laughs) It is, it is very complicated and it's funny. You're, you're a huge outlier in that. I almost never work with someone who is not shocked by the idea of ordering multiple things to try. Wait, Almost, people, so people are just buying one thing at a yes, time and then returning yes, it? And, yes. Or and, not returning it because it feels frustrating and then they don't want to order the next size. Oh and God. so they just get stuck. I so know. Heartbreaking, I, you guys. I know. I know. <laughs> so it really is true that um, a lot of people just need permission yes. to know that 
there is absolutely no way to know if something is going to fit based on, even based on the size chart on a, on a company's website, even if they have a, a well, you know, a well laid out size chart and you take your measurements and you match up in a certain size, um, there's just no way to know. And so, mm-hmm. um, again, you are really setting yourself up for just getting stuck in the process. If yeah. if you kind of trip yourself up by only ordering one thing and then feeling like you failed because you haven't failed. It's just yes. this, this, uh, the system, which doesn't work for anyone is right. failing. Right. right. Um, and again, I bet it's people being really hesitant to order the larger size too, like being attached mm-hmm. to that clothing number it. Yeah, and being like, well, I don't, I'm not going to need this. Like maybe they've already gone up one mm-hmm. size or like, I'm not going to mm-hmm. need to go up two sizes. And like, yeah. I think we need to reckon with like, but why is that so scary to you? This is a meaningless number. Yeah. 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 And again, I get it and I understand it, but yeah, I have a lot of people who are like, well, I always ordered this size, no matter what store, <laughs> like how on earth, you know, how on earth do you know if that's going to fit? So, yeah. you know, yeah. you know, and if we were in a dressing room in a store and you tried on something and it didn't fit, of course you'd send someone out to go get the next yeah. size. Yeah. And yeah. so you know, by not doing that again, you're just kind of stilting the whole process, but, but it is, yeah. I mean, and I, I do not have the answers to this. Um, and I think this is an area where, um, certainly it's, it's, there's an environmental concern and I don't even know all of the kind of details that go into it, but I think it's also something that a lot of us put personal responsibility on ourselves mm-hmm. to feel the guilt for retur- buying and returning things um, when it's really, again, another big system that needs to be managed by the corporations and the people making money off of us. Yes. It is not yeah. our pers- personal responsibility to save the planet by never returning anything and keeping clothes that we don't like or that don't fit. Which you will end up just throwing out anyway (laughs) at some point. Exactly. Good point. It's just, just even more wasteful that way. And then I'm also not sure about, um, you know, a lot of people are really concerned about shipping and carbon emissions and things like that. And I often wonder again, if anyone has any, you know, data about this, I'd love to hear it, but you know, in, in my neighborhood, at least, you know, there's a delivery guy going from house to house to house, which mm-hmm. is probably in some ways more efficient than everyone in my neighborhood going to Driving store to separately. buy something. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. So, yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. So I, you know, there's so many factors, but I think what it comes down to is my ultimate the, the thing that I value the most is women feeling good in their clothes because mm-hmm. then I feel like it allows them to have that freedom of thought and all these other things, freedom to, you know, to, to be an activist for the things that are important. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's my bottom line priority. And at the moment, if, if the system only allows us to get clothes that fit by trying a bunch of things and returning some of them, mm-hmm. Unfortunately, that's, that's our option, right? Now. Again, again, it. what's yeah. the other option? The op- other option is not getting clothes that fit or, right. or, or, or sticking with clothes that you ordered and feel guilty about returning um, right. and are, are a waste of money because they're not quite what you need. Yeah, completely, completely. I agree with you. And I will link to Amanda Mull had a, a good piece in the Atlantic for people who kind of want to read up more on the problems with returns. I mean, the big concern is that a lot of retailers destroy the inventory instead of putting it back into inventory, which is pretty disgusting. And neither of us is saying it's not bad. Like it's bad. No, no, but, no. And I yeah. want to, I want to, and I think, you know, when we talked about that article a little bit too, there is, there's a lot of nuance, you know, in all of it. And I think, and I, I correct, I, someone correct me if I'm getting this wrong, but I believe she said 
there's kind of 25% of returns that we know are not going back into inventory. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I'm going to guess that, you know, a majority of those are fast fashion yeah, retailers. Probably, um, yeah. very, very cheaply made things because those are the things that it's not worth it mm-hmm. for them to put back in their inventory and resell. So, you know, here's a little plug too for, you know, trying to buy more sustainably ethically mm-hmm. made clothing mm-hmm. because I can tell you for sure that a lot of the brands that I, that I, you know, work with or follow, um, if a piece is a certain amount of money uh, and it's, you know, well-made, like organically grown cotton, right. they're not putting it in the trash. It's right. going They're going to put inventory. it back in inventory. Yeah. So then you don't yeah. have to, yeah. So that's a good point. Yeah. Um, but it's also true, like, again, for plus folks, like fast fashion is often the only way to get your sizes. You know, there's these, yeah. these sort of like, we're just in these rock hard place things mm-hmm. over and over with this. So I think what your sort of big picture point here that you're articulating, which is like, it is a broken system and you still deserve to be able to put clothes on your body is really important. Even if you're on a tight budget, even if you don't have a lot of size options, because, you know, like we can't like uh, our individual choices only go so far here. Um Yeah. And I will say too, in a sort of weird way, when <laughs> this is like, good news, bad news thing. Um, cause I often hear from, from other folks in the fat community saying, you know, this returns process is such a burden, like uniquely to us. And so it was really interesting to read that piece and realize like this really is happening across all retail, like not even just clothing. This is happening like across all retail. So it is true that fat folks who can't shop in brick and mortar stores because they don't carry our sizes, like we are stuck with this model. But it's also true that like everyone's doing this. So it's not like our unique burden or our unique failing or something. Like, I just think that's, it's helpful to understand the scope of the problem, even though it's also depressing to understand the scope of the problem. So. Yeah. And I think what you just said is really important too, that people feel like they don't know that they're failing at something mm-hmm. yeah. when they can't kind of immediately buy something like yeah. from like, an I- image on a computer screen and then have that work. It's yes. like, that is so unrealistic. Um, and just yes. knowing that shopping's hard for everyone. I, I mean, I buy and return many, many things before I find what I want personally. Yeah. And I'm someone who like kind of knows the landscape out there and knows lots of options. Mm-hmm. And, and I still cannot determine that until I put it on my body. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's not like you got something wrong, but I think we have to link great ourselves. Um, and one other option I will shout out quickly is my new newsletter assistant, Corinne Fay runs a really awesome Instagram sell trade plus, and that is a great option to know about both for buying clothes. And if you did buy something that you can't return because you're worried they're going to destroy it or you're past the return window or whatever, you can sell it on there. And it's like a really awesome community that she's building. So just wanted to give people that option as well. Um, all right. So that kind of wraps up the main part of our conversation. I am also starting a new little segment on the podcast. I don't have a name for it yet. This is very unofficial. Um, but I wanted to start ending by giving a recommendation of something we are loving or is making our life easier, whatever it is. So DC, do you have a recommendation for us? Um, well, I'm so grateful that you sent me this question in advance. <laughs> yeah, I, I really had to think hard about this. Um, and, and I have, I have three answers. I hope that's okay. Um, <laughs> Amazing. We're starting off um, strong. I'm very yeah. excited. <laughs> um, so, you know, I have over the last couple of years started to, um, get into a better relationship with movement, um, mm-hmm. and movement that makes me feel good and, and is more for my mental health than anything. And that is 
like faux hiking. I don't even know what you would call it. Like it's walking, but it's hiking, but it's still a paved path, but it's very steep. I don't know. Um, so faux hiking might be my favorite concept ever. I'm adopting. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm sure like hikers would be like, that's not hiking. That's but not it's, hiking. Yeah. It's, it's not walking around my neighborhood. Okay. So, um, but I, yeah, I, I went to REI the other day and, and actually bought a pair of like good shoes for that because I've been wearing just running shoes and I'm terrified of falling slipping and falling especially now as we're getting into fall and winter um so that's one thing I think just and then along with that I thought you know something that I will need to do this year is buy myself a new winter coat because I've outgrown mine um Mm -hmm. and just cold weather gear is so important I'm from I'm from the south and I currently live in St. Louis and I do not enjoy the cold but for so long, I just said, well, just wear an extra sweater or just like, you know, wear two pairs of gloves. And just <laughs> buying winter gear was like kind of a revelation. So I'm looking forward to that, having a great new winter coat. Um, I love that. Yeah. And then the last thing that's been making my life really a lot better is kind of since parenting, I also have two young children and parenting and pandemic parenting. Mm-hmm. Um, I have taken a couple of trips and obviously this is not something that's available to everyone. And I'm extremely lucky. Um, but just having a few trips planned, just weekend trips to meet a friend or to go somewhere, nowhere fun. I mean, I, I mean, nowhere like, you know, like you didn't go to or anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like, you know, last week I went to Tucson and, um, in a month or so I'm going to go to New York with a friend and just like having those on my calendar, is bringing me a lot of joy. Oh my gosh. Yes. Um, I love recommending faux hiking, winter clothes, and <laughs> abandoning your children. I'm really here for all 100%, three of those. 100%. 100%. <laughs> all those things. Those are, that's amazing. Um, and my recommendation this week is going to be this song that I'm obsessed with called White Woman's Instagram by Bo Burnham. Uh, this is not particularly revolutionary. I'm probably the last person to discover it because it does have 10 million views on YouTube. <laughs> um, so, uh, but so, okay, during the pandemic, Dan, my husband got really obsessed with Bo Burnham, who is apparently a YouTube sensation slash stand-up comedian person. Um, this is like making me sound really out of touch with the kids, but I am. So that's accurate. <laughs> it makes me feel any better. I have not seen anybody else. So um, I'm even behind you. Oh, well then there is a delight awaiting you, Daisy. But okay. So he did this um comedy special that he produced during the pandemic during lockdown. So he like shot it all like in his house, like in LA or something. I mean, he's not like living in, you know, it's definitely a privileged person's experience of the pandemic, but he shot this whole special in his house um, and Dan watched it and was obsessed with it and kept trying to make me watch it. And I kept refusing because I don't know, sometimes when he's really excited about things, I don't get excited. I mean, this is like how marital recommendations <laughs> tend to work. And finally I watched it last week because we do a monthly movie club with my sister and her husband and our brother where we talk about things and it was Dan's turn to pick. So he was able to make everyone watch the movie. I have somewhat complicated feelings about the movie, which I will not go into, but anyone who wants to talk about it, feel free. <laughs> um, but white women's Instagram is hilarious. It is satiring white women on Instagram. Very accurately. Um, my favorite line is when he talks about seeing some random quote from Lord of the Rings incorrectly attributed to Martin Luther King. And I thought, <laughs> yes, yes, that is a thing that's happened. Um, and the visuals, like the video is really fun to watch because he recreates like very like well-known tropes of Instagram 
as a man. And it's just very funny. Um, and if you are someone who like Daisy and I has to navigate Instagram for your job and feels exasperated by it often, <laughs> um, you will enjoy this. So that's my recommendation. So yeah, I want to hear what you think after you watch it, Daisy. <laughs> I will let you know. I can't wait. <laughs> All right. So thanks so much for listening to Burnt Toast. If you like this episode and you aren't yet a subscriber, please subscribe. If you are a subscriber, thank you so much. Um, and please consider sharing Burnt Toast on social media or forwarding it to a friend. Burnt Toast's transcripts and essays are now edited and formatted by Corinne Fay, who, as I mentioned, runs at Sell Trade Plus on Instagram. Our logo is by Dan Lowe, and I'm Virginia Soulsmith. You can find more of my work at virginiasoulsmith.com or come say hi on Instagram or Twitter. I am at the underscore, blah, the underscore Soulsmith. It's a terrible handle for having to say out loud. And Daisy is at Mindful Closet, and we will, of course, link to her, too. Thanks so much. Talk to you soon.